Welcome to the Man Up God's Way podcast, a show that dives into the real, raw, and relevant issues for men in their faith, life, and community. Now, your host, Jody Birkin. All right, guys, here we are. We're going to try this. This is take two of uh, August 22nd podcast. This is Jody Burkeen and the Man Up God's Way podcast. We're excited for you to be here tonight. Um, we had a little bit tef- technical difficulty. We had to start all over, but I think we are up and running now. So, uh, again, my name is Jody Burkeen. I am your host. I'm also the founder of Man Up God's Way, a men's ministry designed to encourage and challenge men to be all that God has called them to be in their personal relationship with Christ in their marriage and in their parenting. And um, we try to do it to the best of our ability through the Bible, and we want you to read it as much as possible. Um, want to introduce my host tonight and uh, my guys inside the studio. Ben, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good. We'll try this again. Yeah. Deja vu. <laughs> Deja vu. <laughs> yeah, I hate technology, man. It's just, it's crazy. So Always at the wrong time. It is, isn't it, man? I'm, well, I'm glad you're here. I know uh, I know you had a busy weekend, and uh, it's not always easy to get here to the podcast. So how did you I, know I had a busy weekend? I think you just told me that. Okay. <laughs> just making sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I did listen yeah i did listen so yeah we had all kinds of church stuff going on this weekend and meetings and yeah. uh, get togethers and all kinds of fun my stuff, weekend so. got away from me saturday night when i went over to my friend steve's and watched the ufc fights oh, dude. and they last till like twelve thirty. yeah and my normal bedtime's like nine thirty. i heard some dude got clocked yeah like right in the last minute kicked his head off almost yeah. they were nasty <laughs> were they holy yeah. cow it was good uh, well, good. That is, I like uh, I like a good MMA fight. So uh, it's uh, I'm 53, but sometimes I still like I think I could fight like I did in high school and college, <laughs> and uh, I would get stomped. <laughs> I like to feel like I could. Yeah. <laughs> For Goza, how you doing, brother? Doing good, man. Good. Glad you're here, man. Thank yeah. You staying out of trouble? Best I can. Awesome. Yeah, we did uh, a couple of my buddies uh, took me out. We did a float trip, floated the the huzzah. Is it the huzzah? The huzzah, yeah. Huzzah. Mm-hmm. It's wild out there, Was brother. Yeah. Keep between the lines. I was gonna say, yeah. Is if you didn't have a blue jean cut off shorts and a tank top, you didn't fit in. I, there. Yeah, I should have brought mine. I didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that natty natty light yeah. yeah dude they they got elaborate out there there were some people who got some some coolers and some uh equipment down that river that they were parked up on the beach i don't even know how they got it down there that's crazy it's pretty crazy yeah yeah professionals exactly yeah. so well tell us a little bit about what's going on at man up for goza so uh we were talking a little bit earlier um about the app so mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we've been pushing the app pretty hard. Um, we're trying to create an environment for men to come in and have a spot that they can share openly, but not on Facebook. Mm. You know, uh, we do have our Man Up group on Facebook, and we have quite a few members there. Uh, however, you know, we don't have things like the prayer wall. 
You know, the app has a prayer wall where you can, you know, really be open and honest with what you're going through. Um, It is membership based, meaning uh, in order to be on the app, you do have to give monthly Mm -hmm. to do that. Uh, But it goes directly to this ministry. It goes directly to putting on the show. It goes directly to running and functioning um, that platform, that social media platform, because that's really what it is. Right. But it's a great way um, for men to have a spot. It's really just a big, small group that, you know, we can, you can direct message people. You can write on their walls. It's much like Facebook. They've done a really good job organizing it and there's more to come on there. I know we're doing Bible studies that are going to be posted on there. And I think those are going to be exclusive to the, uh, to that platform. Right. Um, and then obviously this show will always be up there, but this is always, I mean, this is going to be live on Facebook. Um, we just want to create an environment where men can go talk openly about the things that they're struggling with without everybody being able to see, you know, what that is and what it looks like. So you and I were talking right before uh, we started, you know, one of the things with social media is, is like, I literally got on my phone before the show started and I clicked on a text that I got. And then I had this routine in my life where for some reason I go from my text to my email to Facebook to, you know, some other social media. And the next thing Mm -hmm. I know, I'm spending way too much time on it. And our goal with the app is to get guys in 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 an inclusive place that doesn't have all the crap that everything else does. But it's a place for iron sharpening iron and helping uh, each one grow. So that's really that's really the goal of that. And uh, we really want you to. To enjoy it, it is on Google and on iTunes, and um, and get that as much as possible. Also, we have Man Up merch. Um, tell us a little bit about that for Gozo. So I'm not as knowledgeable in the merch. I know we got the coffee. <laughs> um, I know we got the coffee. I know we got the coolers, um, hats, and shirts, and all of the above. And really, you know, the merch is the same thing as it's not the same thing as the app. But anytime any ministry is selling merch, it's to keep the wheels on the road. It's to keep us, you know, afloat. It's to keep it going. Um, we're not, we're not breaking the bank over here. You know, right. um, we're not making cash off this. We're just trying to get this ministry up and running. I think the podcast is about eight months old at this right. point. We're coming up. Uh, I don't know how many episodes we're in. We're in 33. 33. Yeah. So it's going um, really well. But that's what merch is for. You know, yep. it's to rep, it's to start conversations, it's for people to say, hey, what's that? Oh, it's this show, you know. Um, one of my buddies jokingly said, it's like the Christian version of Joe Rogan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh, they have guests on. It's like, oh, I, I guess you can kind of say that. We just uh, a little bit more technical difficulties and the quality is right. not nearly as high. <laughs> oh, yeah, and, and uh, Spotify is not paying us $100 million a year. Yeah, this either, is, so. this is uh, again, which is why we have the merch. So that's what, you know. Yeah, it's uh, manupmerch.com. Be sure to check it out, too. So really excited tonight. We got a guest uh, with us tonight that is um, we've we've actually been uh, on his podcast and on his shows, and uh, we're excited to have him here. Let me get him on here. Gosh, I hate doing this. Let's see here. Rob, how you doing, brother? I'm good. I'm good. good. I'm here. Good. I'm glad you're here, brother. Let me uh, turn your camera. There you are. Sweet. I'm here. This is Rob Loman, everybody. Rob, say hi to everyone. Hello, all. Hello, all. It's going to be a good night. Well, good. So, where are you from, Rob? You're out of Just, Colorado. 
Is that yeah, right? Yeah, just outside of Denver in southwest Littleton, Colorado. About tw- about 45 minutes from where I took this picture behind me. So okay. I was going to say, it looks like you're out there right now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I feel that way. You know, it's, it's, a, it's not quite, it's not dark here yet. So it's all good. So it's my, <laughs> this is my back deck and my multi million dollar mansion, just to let you know. So yeah, uh-huh, yeah, yeah nice. exactly. There you go. Well, good, man. We're excited to have you on here tonight to hear your story and um, uh, all the things that you're doing in your ministry as well. Um, you know, Colorado is one of those places that, you know, desperately needs, uh, Jesus for, for sure. Um, it's a very liberal, um, state, especially Denver is a very liberal town and, uh, you're climbing, no, no pun intended, but an uphill battle, uh, there in the mountains of Denver for sure. So yes, uh, highly, highly aware of that, uh, that wonderful predicament that, uh, a plethora of opportunity out here for sure. Yeah, you definitely, uh, you don't have to look far to find, uh, find somebody to talk to Jesus about. That's for sure. Yep. Well, good, good. Well, uh, so tonight, uh, Rob, what we'll do is you got, uh, you met, uh, Ben, you met for Goza and, uh, you know, we just want to, first of all, hear your story, um, how you got to where you are today. Uh, we'll jump in as we feel like we need to ask a question and, um, and kind of get some clarification on something maybe. So, um, we're going to spitball this and, uh, you'll maybe hear Ben or Fergoza or I uh, just jump in and start talking. So why don't you start uh, start at the beginning? You know how you uh, how you ended up doing all the things that you're doing now. I know you're doing coaching and interventions and uh, counseling and uh, all kinds of stuff for addictions and for recovery as well. So tell us all about it. Yeah, well, there's definitely a lot of awareness that that needs to happen, and I'm a totally open book too. So you know. It's all fair game to the journey I was on. I was hanging out with um, a new friend of mine, Monte Ball. He's a former Bronco player today. We were having lunch and just talking about life and different upbringings, different focuses and relationships with dads and just kind of all the stuff, right, that plays a role in our journey of addiction and recovery. And uh, I, mean, I, I was born in Fort Wayne, Indiana, so I'm a Midwest boy. Love the Midwest. You know, we have a good story about Vandalia, Illinois, to come up later in the show, but um which is about an hour and a half away from you guys, but grew up in Fort Wayne, Christian home, aunts, uncles, cousins, everybody was in Fort Wayne. Uh, my grandpa, who was my idol, he delivered half of Fort Wayne, Indiana. So I always wanted to be a doctor. It was like, that was the guy I wanted to be just like Papa and just, just an amazing man. And so just a lot, family was really important to us. And we went to church and we were kind of like your, you know, what do they call it? Christmas, Easter. How do they combine those two words? I was creasters, creasters. Yep. Creasters, we, were, we, were, yeah. <laughs> we were creasters, but you know, involved in, uh, in, um, and just, you know, a lot of church activities, but we moved to Texas when I was in fourth grade and that was a big culture shock going from Fort Wayne, Indiana to Fort Worth, Texas. And you know, my whole family was in Indiana. So I moved to Texas and I just felt like this, like fish out of water kind of guy down there. And I still, when I go back to Texas today, Guys, I just, I feel like I don't fit in. It's just the weirdest thing. And I don't know why, maybe because I caused a lot of chaos in Fort Worth, but, but just growing up in Texas was just a different deal. And I started drinking at 14 years old was when alcohol hit my lips for the real first time. Right. And for a lot of people, there wasn't something traumatic that happened. It was literally just social events, the allure of alcohol. It just looked fun. Right. I had no clue that addiction ran through my entire family. You know, and now that I have a 14 year old now, like they're very aware of our family history and aunts, uncles, cousins, all these, this, how alcohol is in there on both sides of their family. So it's good. They just kind of know that, but I didn't really truly know the depths of it was in my own family. And so 
But man, when alcohol hit my lips, it was at a church event, actually. It was at a, it was a young okay. life. Yeah, it was a young life event in Fort Worth, Texas. And some kid came up and he goes, hey, Loman, you want to have a beer? And I was like, okay, six pack of beer, two guys, two girls. We went through the bushes and I literally just cracked all three cans. I was like, ka-ch, 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 and just chugged them. And I was like, hello, oh, I'm home. Hard. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, I, I, I have a little extreme personality sometimes. And, but it just, it just had me at ka-ch. And, uh, and really, I mean, that was the next 14 years, 15 years of my life. I mean, that was right. the chaos I went through. And, um, and, and then, you know, God just kind of got a hold of me. But through that, it was just dark. It was tough. I lived the life of a chameleon. You know, when you grow up as a Christian, you're like, I know, I know that I'm going to heaven part, but I sure as heck don't understand the Lordship part. And that's what I struggled with throughout my whole entire addiction. Right. Yeah. And I uh, was just, yeah. How long, how, how long were you addicted? And was it alcohol only or were you, was it other stuff? Well, it started alcohol and I always said I never do drugs. Right. And then I went to college and the freedom of being away from mom and dad and my, my parents weren't like hovering over you and saying, don't, I mean, they weren't helicopter parents by any means, but I had a lot of freedom and, and my mom grew up um, with an alcoholic father and just, you know, there was that turning your head the other way. Cause you don't really want to kind of know what's going on, I think. Right. And, you know, and uh, my dad didn't really step in a lot to just kind of bring awareness to my plights, but I was also very manipulative and creative. And when I went to college though, it was just kind of one of those things of, Hey, Loman, you want to, you want to smoke some pot? And I wanted to fit in, right? So I was like, sure, I'll try it. And then it was like, oh, I love that. Hey, Loman, you want to try some mushrooms? Yeah, it sounds great. I love that. So anything I tried, I loved. So it was between a cornucopia of substances, gambling, sex. It was just kind of all over the board through, through, through college. And just I somehow skated by through this, you know, just, the, just barely through college and graduated in four years somehow. But I, I got arrested a couple of times. I mean, I, I did a few overnights in jail and I was just, I was your wild, wild child for sure. Wow. Okay. So what, what years were these? So that would, so college ended in 1994. So okay. I was 23 at that time and graduated college. I, I wanted to become a doctor. Like I said, we all, I mean, you probably guys had all three had mentors in your life, maybe that you wanted to be like, can you guys relate to that? Uh, yeah. I wanted to be a hitman vampire. That didn't make my list. You, the bad thing he was like 25 when you wanted to do that. That wasn't even like that was until years. I got that was until I got saved. That Jody, was like, <laughs> Jody was extremely influenced by Blade. Yeah, exactly. Wesley. He said Snipes. Wesley Snipes. I'm in. Uh, let me see your. Let me see your Rob, team. This, Rob, this is my past. <laughs> I mean, this is literally the guy that is the shepherd of my life, other than Jesus. It's ridiculous. Hey, to be fair, to be fair, shepherds were 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 gnarly. All right, we're tough they, guys. Yeah, they're tough them. dudes. So that makes you know it fits. It makes sense. I'm not get asked my wife of all the things in the world I wanted to be a hitman vampire. Like I don't, you know, I don't know what it was. Like, yeah, it doesn't look like you sharpened your teeth to get the vampire. Yeah, part. no, I, I, no, I just wanted to kill people and be a vampire and live forever. Who knows? Oh, I did not expect that one. That was yeah, <laughs> that was way before jesus and a whole lot of drinking so oh man that it. was not not good so <laughs> oh my gosh but yes, we, sorry yes we had mentors yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, yeah i don't know i mean like growing up um you know that was that was really kind of how man up became 
what it was or what it is. And, uh, is because I didn't, I had, I had a, my dad was, I had an amazing dad, but he was very worldly, you know, and as a Christian, I know that he tried to take care of me and, you know, he provided for me and all those kind of things. And, you know, I knew that he loved me. It wasn't like he was abusive or anything like that, but it wasn't, we didn't have that kind of relationship. What I think I have with my children now is that, you know, I'm guiding them and leading them. You know, I, I, this week school started here in, um, in our area in St. Louis. And I'm just watching all of these parents, like literally going to the school and checking their lockers out and, um, you know, taking pictures with the teacher and meeting the teachers and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just like, holy, my parents, the only time my parents showed up at school is when I was in trouble or for a football game. That was about it. Mm. Like the parent, you know, the parenting that that's going on now. So that's really how man up, because when I gave my life to the Lord in 2003, I didn't have any, not one person from the church stepped up and said, Hey, I will help you. And, um, you know, my first mentor was my pastor about two years after giving my life to the Lord. He realized that I start, I started, uh, I was starting to uh, kind of fall off and he was just like, man, I will, I will take you under my wing. And, uh, you know, he's the busiest guy in the church. Um, and he, he did that. So for me, I didn't have a mentor growing up. You know, I, I knew that all, the only thing I ever wanted to do was be rich and shove it in people's face. Well, that we talk it. about all the time about how, you know, kids, they give their lives to the Lord as a child. And, you know, there's, there's Christian children that grow up and live a Christian life from the day they give their life to the Lord. But in a lot of cases, they got to discover who their own Jesus right. was. And I think that's probably what robs either going to talk about her. That's part of your story is, is you grew up in a Christian home, but, um, you didn't know your right. Jesus yet. Right. Exactly. That's good. That's yeah. Good. That, that sums up really well right there. Let's uh, end the show right there. That was good. <laughs> that was, uh, yeah, thanks for coming out. Guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right on. Thanks for stealing my thunder. That was good. Um, but you know, it was funny though. Cause you know, my grandpa, he was, he was the guy I wanted to be like, but I also had these other mentors in my life and I call them, Johnny, Jack, Jim, and Glenn. And, um, you know, we got Johnny Walker, Jack Beam. <laughs> Those were my other mentors in my life. And, and they just, they just really <laughs> took over. We had a joke in college. Yeah. We had a joke in college. His friends call him John. Yeah. 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 It, it's crazy. So I just got way off track. And, but the whole time I just knew, I mean, I was in and out of arrests and here and there, but when I graduated college, in uh, in the day of graduation, this was the craziest thing. My parents didn't know this for years afterwards because they spent, you know, 125 grand on college, and right. uh, their son did not perform well. And at the end of it, but it was graduation day, and this is the this is the brain of an addict, man. You're sitting there on graduation day, nobody else knows you're not you may not graduate. I mean, aunts, uncles, grandparents, they were all down in Greencastle, Indiana. I went to DePaul University. And they were all just there. And, and I'm sitting there thinking, man, I don't know if I'm going to walk the stage. And my professor calls me up and he goes, Loman, get to my office now. This is literally 45 minutes before graduation is going to happen. And he said, all right, sit down. And I'm thinking, this is not good, you guys, at all. He pulls out the final, which is a five-page final, five different tests. And he goes, first page, 99. Second page, 100. Next page, he goes, this is the highest grade I've ever seen on any final in the years I've been teaching, you know, professing here at DePaul University, he goes, what the heck have you been doing all year? And I said, did I graduate? <laughs> he goes, yep. And I was like, zing, out there. I didn't even say thank you. I was just hit the stage. And I mean, my parents didn't know that for years afterwards. And 
I just hid things really, 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 really well. But I was desperate and lonely. And uh, I'll tell you the next, we're just going to sum up the next X number of years from graduated college, you know, moved out to Vail, Colorado, became, you know, just a bouncer, which was a great thing to do after, you know, a nice college degree. Yeah, exactly. It's a nice area to be bouncing in. Yeah, yeah. Good yeah. little spot. I was bouncing, got a, but. Got a degree, probably the highest paid bouncer out there. Yeah, yeah. The hardest thing was the altitude gave me these blackouts. It was really weird all the time. And um, between the smoking pot and drinking, it was just kind of yeah, like, was, <laughs> I don't know if that was the altitude. I was going to say, been a veil a time or two. It might have been the environment. <laughs> okay, maybe it was the substances. And um, but it was I was just lost. And so for years and years, that was just my life, right? Career changes, city changes, all those things. But alcohol always followed me, and alcohol always beat potential every time they were in the same room together. Mm. And so eventually, speeding up, you know, I. It, it was, it was, it was just hard. I was like, I want, I wanted so badly to be successful, but I had this gift of self-sabotaging my life. Right. Mm. And I hated who I become. I hated who I was. I hated the guy in the mirror, you know, just sleeping around as much as you could and drinking and gambling and anything to keep me out of it. And then just, I'm going to go all the way to 2001 now. Okay. So we're going to zip to 2001 because I want to talk about the awesome stuff God's done since then. But, um, I got married in 1998 to a good alcoholic, didn't last very long. We ended up getting divorced. And then in 2001, I was dealing a lot with suicide ideation. And I don't know about you guys, but there's that voice in your head that just says you suck, you failed, mm -hmm. you're a loser, you'll never make it, you'll never amount to anything. Any, any of you guys ever heard those voices in your head? Yeah. 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 <laughs> even, even you guys in the chat right now, I mean, just put it in there that it's like, yep, yeah. I've dealt with that battle. And this particular year, I was, I would be driving down the highway in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And all of a sudden I would see my car veer off the highway and I would see it hit the median and explode. I would see myself dead on the side of the road. And I'm like, that was weird. And then it happened again and again. And I was afraid to tell anybody, because if you tell someone that one of you three guys, if you were my friends, you'd probably try to have me committed for you know psychological imbalance Right. And, uh, and I was scared. I was really scared for the first time in my life. And one night and I was praying to God, I'm like, God, I just, please, you know, I never did foxhole prayers. Like God, get me out of this and I'll never drink again. Cause I knew I would, but I was just like, God, I'm scared. And I know you hear my prayers and I just need help. And I was literally crying out for help. And then a short time after that, I was hanging out in a bar in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, Cause I drank and drove eight nights a week, like all the time. That was my, I was the designated drunk driver because <laughs> <laughs> i never had any quote-unquote issues but um, but i was hanging out in the bar that night and all of a sudden the music got dead silent like i couldn't hear anything it was it was tons of girls and music and band and all of a sudden it was it was like you could hear a pin drop and i audibly heard the word you're done and then the bar got really loud again and i looked around that bar and i was just thinking i think i'm the only guy that happened to you and i looked at my friend sean and i was like dude i gotta go home i think i'm finally done drinking and i really believed i was done drinking that night right like it just something shifted and what happened next was i drove home kind of like two guys in the car myself and myself one one felt he was sober and one was highly drunk and i get home walk up 12 stairs to my one bedroom apartment next thing i knew i had 350 pounds on my barbell picked up the barbell and just dropped it across my chest and that was my out. And in the midst of that, because God is so good and so awesome, God like stopped time in my life. And he looked at my dog and said, go save your dad. And my dog, Jake, comes over 
and starts nudging my knee with his head. Now, granted, you know, I feel like time stopped because I cannot hold that weight at all. Right. God carries the weight of the world. And he was that night. And once my dog broke my heart, God revealed himself to me through my dog. I thought about my parents and my brother. And I'm thinking, what am I doing? This is crazy. You know, who's going to feed you tomorrow, Jake? And I put that barbell back on the rack. Every time I tell that, I can literally hear the barbell metal hit metal. And God saved my life that night and comforted mm, me that God. night. Praise and he knew. God. And he took, so for guys that struggle with addictions and substance abuse, you know, unfortunately, I'm one of the very few people, like the small percentage that this happened to, but God took a guy that drank up to two bottles of scotch in a day the day before in the years before. And that morning he snapped his finger and just took it away. And in 21 years, I haven't had one desire, one obsession or anything mm -hmm. to even think about drinking. And that's all God. And it was Amen. just, it was a beautiful morning for me. Amen. Amen. I like what you said earlier. Cause it reminds me of when I was trying to, I just given my life to the Lord and, you know, a lot of things in my life just quit almost automatic. I quit cussing, you know, I, I, I quit, you know, smoking, you know, all these outward things that I was doing and I was really, you know, struggling with lust and pornography. And, um, but I, I had, um, convinced myself that it was still okay to drink, you know, because the Bible says, doesn't say that you can't have a drink. And, you know, there's a lot of examples of having a glass of wine for, you know, and I, I, I pretty much used every um gray area when it came to alcohol until i finally lost my job because of drinking and um that was the last time that i had a drink that was in 2005 when i had my last drink and it was one of those moments where i i don't i don't miss i, I miss cigarettes more than i do alcohol you know it's like You're but when i look your mind when, yeah <laughs> but when i <laughs> But when I um, when I look back on all of that, it's like I don't I don't miss any of it. Um, and usually, what happens with most people is that sin always sin always takes them further than than they wanted to go. Like you you know you're thinking. So I've always told my kids, you know, if there's a hundred percent chance you'll never become an alcoholic if you don't take a drink, if you just don't try it, if you don't. You know, and trying to tell teenagers and 20-somethings, I've got two of them that are 20-somethings and 12-year-olds, um, twin 12-year-olds, and trying to tell them that, you know, it's, they grew up in the church, they grew up with their dad as a pastor, you know, and there's, there's this always this, this want to go out and just try, okay, well, my dad tells these stories, it's kind of like what, you, you know, you're telling a testimony of what God did, and you were blessed that you didn't choke yourself to death with a 350-pound you know, barbell or crash one night when you're, we're drinking, our kids don't have that promise. You know, it's not like they've got, you know, oh yeah, go out and have fun and do all that you want. And you know, then you'll end up being able to tell us testimony like mine. That's not, that's not the point. The point is, is what God has done in your life. Um, and I love what Ben said a while ago. Um, you know, there are a lot of kids, the, the, the people that were, gave their lives to the Lord at five, six, seven, eight years old. Those are more impressive to me than the dime a dozen stories of being an alcoholic and an addict and, you know, getting to know God because they've walked the walk. They've, they've, you know, they battled the battles and they won the battles, not saying that they're sinless, but they definitely have, have, you know, gotten a lot further than most of us did in, in our lifetime. And, um, 
and not saying that God still is in the miracle business because when he takes a sinner like uh, like us and from the addictions and from, you know, the world and uh, uses him for himself, man, that's a big deal. That's a that's a really big deal. And so, um, you know, it's it's impressive that you're you were listening to God and that he was speaking to you in a bar, you know, and that's that's what most people don't understand. He'll speak to you anywhere you let him. So uh, that that that's impressive. I I love hearing uh, I love hearing testimonies like that. So good job, man. Yeah, well, that was just the beginning, though, because you, right. you take substances out and then you're left with you. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's that's the problem is, you know, you clean the mirror off with all the fog and <laughs> you got to look at yourself kind of deal. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So what when you did that, um, what did you find? Like, what what was the issue? I mean, there had to be some underlying issues that you probably dug out from depths of your soul to to, to figure out what caused you to do that. You know, it, and that's the journey of recovery, man. Because in the beginning, so if, I, if I look back on it, right, and I look back and I encourage anybody stepping into a new world of no substances is seek counseling. Mm-hmm. Like, seek a good godly counselor that can help you dig those things out. Because for me, it was just recovery programs. And I didn't do a whole lot of digging. I was just enjoying being sober for years and years and years. And then down the road, I'll tell you what happened is I, I ended up getting, I got, so I was single the whole time, you know, for the first four or five years of recovery, ended up getting married to my wife. So now I'm a husband. Oh, that brings up some insecurities, right? Yes. And, and, um, and then that we just had a real rough start to our marriage. And then you become a father Oh, there's some more things there. And then you become a business owner and then all the things started building. Right. And so over time, I, what happened was I stopped doing the things that helped me get better. You know, I stopped going to meetings. I stopped going to men's weekends and recovery. I stopped plugging into church and I got back to the same challenging mental health, mental space I was in before I, that night I got sober, but I was not using substances. I was still gambling a ton. And so I didn't get really healthy for a while, you know, in the responsibilities of life because I was still gambling. I was full of fear. The, the guy I thought had deep roots had just shallow roots in the rocks. And the guy that Mm. was this abundance mentality was really scarcity mentality. So I was really immature in my relationship with my wife and just as a parent. And, and that all came out in 2011 when I lost my insurance agency and the walls crashed down again, suicide ideation came back. I was beating myself up again. Right. And, and then I ended up doing a major mental breakdown in 2012 in my recovery, which sent me to prison for a while. And it wasn't until I went to prison that I really figured out who I was. I really figured out, is this Christianity stuff real? Mm. I had time. So I was kind of going to seminary while my wife was back being a single mom, dealing with all the stuff of that. And she's like, okay, stop writing letters to me. Like, I get it. Like, I can't read them. I'm just, and so she had to go through her own, journey of who's this guy married and i was going through my journey of who am i and i finally figured out like man the bible's real like i read it from front to back and amazing idea and read 42 books when i was in prison and just got to figure out who the heck was i and i miss those times sometimes today jody i just miss them because it was such a sweet pure time of reflection because i just had time Mm -hmm. right and so that that's when i really figured out who i was and what were the underlying things that were you know kicking my rear end and self-sabotage and self-doubt and all the negative messages that I've had to do some serious work to get those positive messages from like Victor of the darkness and Neil Anderson and bondage breaker and 
Mark Batterson's books, like all the stuff. I mean, tapping into your Facebook stuff and just like, it's like, those are the things that bring me alive now. So I'm, I'm grateful for strong Christian men programs, things that I got to do the work. Uh, but really I found, figure out who I was and what was wrong with what, what was wrong with me. I don't know what was off in me when right. I was in prison, when I was behind the walls and right. I was supposed to be gone for 13 years and I got out in 10 and a half months and God's just, God's just awesome. So that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Holy cow. Yeah. That, um, that understanding of that, you've got a, I, I love what you said a while ago, you know, while you had that, that time to do nothing but read the Bible. Um, it's amazing how clear God speaks to you and how clear scripture comes to you and how it all makes sense. And the Holy spirit is speaking to you. We were just talking about this a couple of weeks ago on a podcast is, you know, one thing that most Christians don't do is read their Bible. Number two, when they are reading it, they're reading it in the wrong context. And I lied, not the wrong context, but in the wrong mindset, you know, they're trying to study the Bible instead of devote to the Bible where they're listening for God. They want to hear from God. And uh, if Christians did that more often, we would be in a place that would be a lot better. uh, Not only as our families and our, um, uh, our marriages, but also as the church and the community, because we would actually learn to live out what God is telling us to do. I think a lot of people are sitting in the proverbial bar right now and all the noise in the world, they can't hear what God is saying by any means, you know, like most of the time you can't hear yourself think when you're in a restaurant and you know, with the bar, or even if you're just in a bar in a nightclub, like, like, like you did, I mean, very seldom does everything just go dark and quiet. And all of a sudden you hear that. But I think that's where most people are, are living their lives of just this noise in their world. And, um, I had to go back to that about three weeks ago. Um, I had spent the last almost year just kind of studying and not devoting. And it's been amazing. The clarity that God has given us when you have those quiet moments. Have you, uh, I was reading something or listening to something. I can't tell you where it was. They were talking about a study that they did with reading the Bible and the effects of reading the Bible on the outlook on life. And so they did this large study and they said, okay, um, they had a group read the Bible, uh, for one day a week. And after a period of time, saw no effective change in their lives, no outlook change, no anything, uh, two days a week, again, nothing, three days a week. They finally got a little blip on the radar is the way that they put it. It's like, it kind of, I think it might be making a difference. Four days a week of reading the Bible was an astronomical change. Um, 50% more um, happy with their life. Marriages, they were feeling like 50, 40% more happy. Uh, Suicide, uh, thoughts of suicide went down by like 60% in the group. And it was a total just mind shift uh, because when you're reading it every single day for devotional, um, or just going through and speaking it aloud. You've talked about this right. before. Like, hey, I'm going to speak out these words um, and read it aloud so I can hear them. Uh, Charles Duhigg talks about mm-hmm. the four modes of learning, you know, speaking, reading, writing, um, and listening. Right. Well, if I'm reading them, I'm speaking them aloud, and I'm hearing them, that's three of the four. And his studies would say that if you do three of the four, you retain any information that are that is you know you're speaking aloud so um, i just found that really interesting it's one of those things that we've been talking about recently is hey right. like this has to be a part of your everyday that's good yeah totally 
Yeah, one of the biggest issues is is people read the Bible and they don't know who God is. Right. Even if they're Christians. Like they don't know it's like the class we're starting on Wednesday nights. Who is God? What are his attributes? Who what do all his names mean? That's where you start. And then I think I think we've talked about this before, but a lot of Christians, one of the biggest issues they make is, and you alluded to it a bit earlier, is we read the Bible and we're not looking to ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're looking for God. We look for God. We look to ourselves. Instead, we're reading it so we can quote the Bible verse, so we can teach others, so we can evaluate others. And uh, especially when you get into like pastoral roles or ministry leader roles or Rob, some of the stuff that you're doing, it can, you, sometimes you have to make sure that you're still doing it for you first, right? You're still looking at yourself. You still have somebody in your life uh, that's pouring into you because when you're in ministry, I mean, Jody, you just talked about this a couple of weeks ago where God told you at camp, listen, you're not doing enough for you. Right. As far as with my word, looking at yourself, evaluating yourself, searching your heart, all that stuff. So it's like everybody that becomes a Christian, like instantly wants to teach or be a pastor or, you know, save the world. When in reality, there's this sanctification process that's so important to us. It's, it's not funny. Yeah. One of the, that's a good point. One of the things I'm, I'm preaching through acts right now and, you know, uh, I'm also going to seminary, and about six months ago in seminary, um, I had a class on Paul, and, you know, you always hear Paul, but, like, Paul's typically every man's favorite guy, you know, he's 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 the, the guy that you kind of want to be, and you, he's bold, and, man, he's not scared of anything, and learning from the time at the Damascus Road to the time that he actually started really traveling and doing his ministry work and everything was 15 years, yeah. you know, and, uh, people don't realize that they think, Oh, well, he got stable on Damascus road and he went straight to preaching and teaching. <laughs> like he actually, you know, went off for quite some time, um, to what, what most theologians believe is to, to get rid of his Judaism, well, that's know, to, to figure out that and flesh that whole thing out. That's why we don't, I mean, in the, um, I believe it's in Romans they're talking about, or maybe it's in Corinthians they're talking about who can be deacons and past, you know, who can, mm-hmm. who can be our elders. Well, it's no new converts, right? Exactly. you know? So yeah. if you just gave your life to Christ, you're like, I feel like God's calling me to preach. It ain't tomorrow. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's for, that's right. for sure. There needs to be an, and even, you know, I, I started following Christ 27, you know, so 10 years and I'm still feel like, I'm still figuring stuff out. Like, I, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll do a Bible study or hear, you know, some of these uh, pastors that I like to listen to and they'll just blow my mind with something. I'm like, what? Right. Uh, there's a, there's a, not a meme. There's a few videos going around talking about Christ's final words on the cross. And one of the prolific things uh, that I feel like I kind of found out maybe last year was uh, the final words of my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? Right. Someone brought it to my attention that that's actually Psalm 22. Yeah. Um, and so in the Psalm 22 is a prophecy of how the Messiah will pass. Right. And so it's like this moment mm-hmm. of, you know, I grew up in church thinking, you know, God is saying, God, oh, God felt so abandoned mm-hmm. and all of the above. And then I have this new perspective. Maybe, okay, he was fully man. Maybe he felt... Uh, just abandoned in that moment with this with the weight of the world 
<clears throat> However, I have this new perspective of there's Pharisees all around watching him, you know, be crucified. Right. And now he just dropped Psalm 22 on him. And they would know yeah. that that was the, I mean, for a man who quoted scripture, pretty much everything that he did. So even, you know, following Christ for 10 plus years, there's still so much depth of knowledge that you, that I don't mm -hmm. have. And I've always said, man, I, that's, that, that's a role I never wanted. Like I'm good with the music yeah. thing. Like I, I like doing that, but I don't. <laughs> I don't want that responsibility. Yeah, it's uh, Eli Eli Lama Sabachthani is what he says. Oh, he's just and now he's just making us look bad. You know? Yeah, <laughs> right. I was like, Man. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, that's. I mean, that's in the Hebrew, but um, all right, maybe Aramaic. I'm not for sure, but uh, yeah, that, that's. I think that's where um we all have to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. So that's the, that's the process of a Christian. And there's no expiration date on the Bible. Um, we've got to get to a place to where we're, we're loving it. We're feeling it. I, it, it literally is one of those things. The more you do it, the more you love it. And if you get in those dry moments, man, you just got to kick through it and continue to, to push forward and uh, get into as much as you possibly can. Cause those dry days will take you that's where I always call the stinking thinking, you know, if that stinking thinking kicks in, man, you're in a bad place at that point in time. So, yeah, definitely. When you're saying, when you're saying what you just said, it was like when I always felt so inferior to share my faith and things because like, Oh, you're the Christian. Well, I was like, I don't know. So I used to carry all these like Bible verses. I write in my back pocket, oh, trying to go. memorize stuff. I'm like, God, Fill my brain in where the holes are because I can't I can read this <laughs> 25 times and I still can't recite it back. I'm like, you know what? I'm okay with that now. But you're probably just... you're, you're probably like me. You hear an 80s song, you know exactly who sang it, when it came out, what year it was, and all the words. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? I mentioned it earlier, but this has really helped me. Um, and it has it has everything to do with retaining information. So Charles Duhigg, this actually happened to me in a restaurant. I started a project where I was going to read a book a week for a year. And so I did that and about 20, 30 weeks into it, I'm sitting in a restaurant and there's a couple behind me and they're talking about the four modes of learning. And the guy's like, man, I can't, you know, I can't figure out where that is or who said that. And I whip around and. Uh, I say, oh, that's Charles Duhigg. It, you know, it's a book. It's called, uh, and then I stopped myself. I was like, ha, don't listen to me. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm a dummy. You know, I'm an athlete. I, I read a couple of books now. I think I know stuff. It's probably not him. And he lit up and he's like, no, no, no. That's exactly it, you know. Uh, but the, the thing about it was I was reading the books. I'm sorry, I was listening to the books. I was writing the notes down. So I'm, I'm hearing it. I'm writing it. Then I was doing a podcast. So I was speaking it back to, and so right. you're, I'm doing these and the stuff just stuck, you know, those, those things will just stick and doing the gospel, uh, is no different. Uh, I listen to the Bible. I read along with it mm -hmm. and I can't tell you Bible verses, you know, I can't tell you chapter verse, but pretty spot on, you know, I can still quote, but it's only because I've heard it. I wrote it down cause I'm like, that's money. And then I went and then I go immediately and I go tell somebody, I'm like, let me tell you this crazy thing that I just figured out. Or someone just told me this, like with the, with the Psalm 22, I can't tell you how many people I called and said, Hey, have you ever heard this? What do you think? And so I talk about it and I'll never forget it. Mm. That's good. That's, that's really good. good. That's, we need probably more of that. I, 
I'm getting now to where, and I, I've talked to Ben about this. Like I have, you know, when I tell my testimony, it's and, and Rob, same for you. I mean, a lot of times when we're telling our testimony, you know, that's the best way to reach people a lot of times because you're letting them know where you were and in and where you are now, um, and you're not doing it really in a a preachy way you're just telling a story is really what you're doing and you're letting them know what god did this and when jesus i met jesus here and then you're telling them that they can't refute that they're not going to sit there and say oh you're a liar rob um i can't believe you'd say that or that was all written by man or you know the big bang happened and that you know instead of having a bible debate um in my life uh and this is what i was telling ben is that i've got these these key areas that i always talk about you know i try to bring especially men i try to bring them to this these certain places where i know the scripture i know the context i know the um uh, the gist of what i'm trying to say because most men um i mean we're all pretty simplistic um you know we have five major problems sex wives money kids and work and then this overarching problem called pride and if you can deal with any of those in a guy's life, you typically can have you, I have the scripture to help them, you know, with that or the, the counsel to come alongside of them. And that's what Christians need to do is they just need to know the, the stuff, you know, if you're going to sit and uh, do apologetics, you need to know a little bit more. You need to understand how it all was put together and formed and all that kind of stuff. You're just sharing your testimony and, you know, evangelizing, it's a little bit different. So it's, uh, it's, 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 it's not as hard as people put it out to be, but it can be. And I've always said, man, if you know 5% more than most Christians, you look like a genius, you know, when it comes to theology. So, well, what's crazy is you only have to read like uh, the average Americans reading one book a year, mm -hmm. two book a year. Like if they're really into it, they're reading two, um, you shut off the TV you know, turn off Netflix and start knocking out some books. You will be astonished. Hey, you're with meddling. You, I know. You're meddling. I'm always meddling, man. Okay. It it changed my life. That's no joke. Yeah, you're right. There was a there was a year, not a year. It was a whole. It was probably about six or seven years. I was really convicted. Got rid of cable. Got rid of all my TVs, all of that kind of stuff. And it was the best six or seven years that I had in my life. And something happened one year. I don't remember what it was, but like it was something stupid. Like I read Farmer's Almanac, it's going to be the worst winter ever. And I thought, I'm not sitting in my house all winter long because I hate the cold and I'm not going outside. So we better get a TV <laughs> <laughs> just in case. Oh, funny. And it went downhill from there. <laughs> well, I get, I get so hardcore about that. And I think, uh, Pastor Jody, I told you about this. Like it changed my finances. Mm -hmm. Like I started oh, yeah. reading so much that it flipped my entire life upside down, how I operate, the job I have, mm -hmm. you know, um, how I organize my finances and just, you know, my walk with Christ, all the above. It's just yeah, night listen, and day. It's, it's been great listening to you two jabronis and your two cute stories, but uh, we've got a guest here. <laughs> I'm getting to that's it. Only, that's Where? only 2011. Yeah, so. I'm getting to it. So sorry, Rob. <laughs> hey, Rob. No, this is good. I'm, gro I'm growing right now. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's, Rob it's has good. got us fired up. Man. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Woo! There you go. He he got us on a rabbit trail. So, uh, so so we met in uh, during the pandemic. Uh, I believe it was 2020, and um, 
you had just, I think you just started following our page or something. You reached out, you're having a, a conference and that's, or not a, it's online, um, uh, symposium conference, whatever it was, you were doing interviews, podcasts. So you, you've been doing podcasts for quite some time now. What's it like going from the podcast guy to the, the guy on the podcast? Was it, what does that feel like? Oh, it's a lot easier. You don't have to do any editing or anything like yeah, that. Exactly. <laughs> you have to show up and take off. But well, I'll tell you, I mean, during the pandemic, it was one of those things of, you know, as an interventionist and, and a lot of things I had to pivot and try to figure out like, what do I do now? Because I, you know, with all the stuff, I mean, I was not afraid of the pandemic. It was just, I didn't want to get stuck in Florida or some other state where I fly and they shut the airport down. So I was like, well, how can I reach people? And so the first thing I did before I met you was I did a 21 day virtual summit with 44 speakers. And it was all about addiction and recovery and tools to help people. Right. And I came out of that and it was the weirdest thing because this is the profession I'm in, right? <laughs> Helping people with addictions, but right. I just was not fulfilled. 44 speakers. And I came out and I was like, man, I, I, I was, I was happy that we did it in the number one video, the interview that was watched during all those 44 people was Dr. Neil Anderson from freedom of Christ ministries. The number one, he was bold Christian guy talking about identity in Christ. That was the number one video people watched. And I was like, huh? Wow. That wow. was pretty eye opening to me. And so then I said, Hey, you know, let's get a bunch of awesome Christian leaders around the country and, um, and, uh, and then put, pull them together. So that's why I did the identity in Jesus Christ summit. And, um, you know, I was going to have 14 speakers. I had you on like the list of 17, you were 17th, right. but other people backed out Jody. So I brought you up the list. I'm just kidding. Oh, thank so you. you were like, you were yeah. like right there. I was like, man, this guy's got hey, last will be first. That's yeah. all <laughs> you're like changing lives. I said, this is really cool. And Dr. Joe Martin. And it was just like, man, these guys, these are the guys I want to be around. You know, Jeff Spadafore, it was just amazing, solid Christian men and women. I was like, this is a guy I want to get to know. And so you coming on, that was awesome and got to know you through that. And then just staying in touch with what I see as strong Christian men around the country. And I'm like, man, I wish that my, my wife got a, a position with a group out of uh, Springfield, Missouri. And I'm like, yeah, when I get out that way, I'm going to come see you. True and, too. Uh, yeah. But it was uh, two, three hours. Yeah. It was just powerful, you know, and, and you were talking about books earlier and, I recently just sent uh, the, the Circle Maker book by Mark mm -hmm. Batterson, uh, right. my book when I read when I was in prison and all the notes and everything and just a thank you. And I just, I, I mailed that off to him. So here's oh, my book. Awesome. And I was like, and by the way, here's the book I just published in July um, to read that one too. But it was just a thank you and said, man, here's the book. Here's a return envelope and a stamp. You know, just send it back to me when you get around to it. And um, just to say, hey, the, your book, his book changed like my relationship with yeah. God. And uh, so there's other men's books I've read uh, and I've got them lined up over here on my table to just start mailing them out to people and say, Hey, here's the book that changed my life for these reasons. Just want to say, thank you. Send it back when you get around to it. And uh, just uh, appreciating Chris, strong Christian men and women around the country. And, um, and that, that gives me the comfort to go forward and be more bold in my own faith. Right. And so I step into that. That's good. Well, that's awesome. That's, I've always said, I mean, there's no re reason to reinvent the wheel. You know, there are people that are doing ministry where you can come alongside of them or they can come alongside of you and, and help build that ministry or, you know, have a, a second part of that ministry that's going to grow a lot faster than, um, you know, you trying to do it all by yourself. Mm -hmm. And I like what you did during, during COVID is that you did, 
you did have, you know, so many people on it. Joe Martin's a really great guy. He's got a great podcast as well. And I've, I've actually been on his podcast. Um, he's, he's, he's a great guy. Um, and, and reaching out to, to men like that to, you know, surround yourself, especially early on in your ministry, you know, um, uh, that, that was pretty smart. So with the pandemic, uh, obviously your job probably has just gotten harder, especially coming, you know, we're two years getting ready to go into three years, uh, here pretty soon on the uh, backside of the pandemic, or I should say the backside of the beginning of the pandemic and things don't look like they're getting much better as far as the emotional status. Um, you know, we're, we're starting to see reports come out about depression, suicides, suicides are off the charts right now. Antidepressant medications are, um, off the charts right now. Alcohol and drugs are off the charts right now. Um, all crime. crime is off the charts right now. So this, all of this is going to go right up your wheelhouse, so to speak, because of, uh, of, of, you know, number one, people weren't meant to, to be isolated like that. Um, and you know, the fear that came along with it, you know, the, all of the anxiety that was pushed on it and, and all of that. I just, I, I finally got COVID three weeks ago. That's why we couldn't, that's why we couldn't have you on a, a few weeks ago. It was the first time I had COVID and it was kind of like, okay, well, I don't feel great, but I still worked and cause I work by myself. So I do construction on the side. So I was working by myself and I still went to work and all that kind of stuff, but I didn't feel great, but it wasn't that big of a deal, but where are you? And, and again, I know other people have, have had some worse cases, so I'm not saying that it's nothing. What I'm worried about now as a pastor and, um, as a, as a men's leader is the, what we're going to see in the future in the very near future with, you know, just having to reboot everybody's brains. What are, what are you seeing on your end? Yeah. Well, a lot of, a lot of couples, a lot of people got to know each other a lot better in the pandemic because they're home. Right. Right? right. So, you know um, I mean, you know, it's, it's fascinating when you hear the stories of, you know, wives catching husbands, husband catching wives and, you know, well, you know, why, why are there 40, you know, why are there 40 bottles of Listerine in the trash can? Well, cause I'm not right. trying to drink and there's alcohol in it. It's just like people are realizing some crazy stuff, but, but it's, I feel like people now are the, the mental health side of things is going to be one of our biggest struggles, but families just need tools on how to navigate these waters. And what's specifically talking about addictions. Right. And, right. and that's why, you know, in July, I published my book, the addiction intervention book, because it was like, people need tools on how to help their loved ones. And, and if their loved ones don't want help, how do they continue to move forward in their life, right. even though their loved one is choosing? To, and sometimes you lose the power to choose in addictions because it just takes over so much. But when you can present options to here's some ways to really kind of get help, then they can they can grab onto it. And, and my whole philosophy is let's bring the bottom up to your loved one instead of let your loved one hit bottom. Right. Where can people find that book? Uh, on Amazon and they, they can just go to addictioninterventionbook.com and it actually goes to my main website. People can have very various ways they can purchase the book, but it's on Amazon and, and it's we'll, been so uh, cool. We'll post that in all of our text threads. Just so oh, thanks, know. man. Yeah. I appreciate that. It's, it's, it's coming up with unique ways to reach people, right? Cause some people don't like to read, right? Or listen to audible book or listen to a podcast. And so here's the coolest thing. So 
being in tune with God, right? And just like listening. Now I've had, you're a creative guy like me, right? You got to have a council of people to check your ideas with. It's kind of, hey, here's an idea. It's like, man, Jody, just slow down. Let's just do one thing at a time. And, and it's like me, it's like, Rob, slow down. Just do one thing at a time, right? So I've learned to listen. But two weeks ago, I was swimming in the pool. I'm a, I'm a, I love to swim. That's my exercise. I don't know what you guys do for exercise or mental health, but eat, that's uh, my stability. Eat, eat bonbons on the couch and watch... Big Bang Theory. All right, so you, so you're, so you might sink in the pool. Is that kind of what I'm saying? Yeah. You're not a swimmer. <laughs> I do construction all day long. That's my exercise. Jody won't get in the pool unless it's like bath water gonna, warm. Yeah. All right, yeah, yeah. It's like more of a hot tub pool. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, my kids are gonna grow up. My daddy never swam with me. Nope. Yeah. He did. <laughs> well, and here's one of my biggest things I, I grieved when I was in high school, senior senior high school. I had to, I quit swimming instead of quit drinking, mm. and I was a good swimmer. I had potential and. And that was just something that was just one of those things like, man, you're not to play God and say, well, what if, what would the life been like if, you know, but I just had to let that go. Right. But swimming has always been part of my recovery. Right. Even in my addiction, I would go swim and I put the headphones underwater and I would just swim and just listen to sermons or Christian music or whatever. And two weeks ago, I'm literally swimming in the pool and I hear, I don't hear it this time, like it in the bar, but it was like, this thought was swim for recovery. Mm. I'm thinking, huh? was that you know you see people ride bikes across the country for recovery and so there's a whole idea of you swim for recovery and create awareness you know christ is the center of everything i do right and it's just so important but it's like let's swim for recovery and create awareness to give people hope identity and purpose right and so i'm thinking what what do you want me to do here and it boiled down to so september 1st i'm starting this swim for recovery campaign where i'm gonna swim a mile a day and i'm gonna post a recovery story a day and some tips for families to tap into, to learn how to help their loved one. And it's really just to give and just say, Hey, here you go. But the cool thing is that we just do swimathons as a kid. So it's this it's swim but people can literally just go follow it for the whole month of September and get amazing tips and tools and hear cool killer stories. So if you know anybody, if anyone's listening, you have a great recovery story from addiction. I would love to hear from you or reach out to Jody and Jody can connect us, but Man, stories are so powerful. That's why I love podcasting too. And um, right. you asked a whole different question like three minutes ago, but um, but well, that's something cool. That that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I know we trash on social media all the time, but you got to make that a TikTok, man. That would crush. Yeah, and I don't do TikTok, but I've been I've, I've signed up for a TikTok class next week or the, later yeah. this week to learn how to do it. So that yeah. would oh, man. have somebody else run it. Yeah, that would oh, crush. Gosh. Don't listen to Fergosa. Crash, baby. Um, I'll send you an email. We'll help. Yeah, you. yeah. Send me an email. Give me some tips, man. But, I haven't uh, I haven't been on any type of social media since except for the Man Up app since January. I don't watch the news every once in a while. Maybe I catch the five thirty news between family feud if I'm watching and I'm I'm at so much peace in my life yeah, as far as the, that aspect too. of it. It's, it's, it's just incredible. Just stay off all that crap. Yeah. will have you drinking again. <laughs> you now. He's, he's just, he's just not right. Uh. We're going to go viral. It's going to happen. I'll message you after the show. Don't worry about it. Don't listen to these yahoos. You'll never have to swim again, Rob. Just do it. Uh, Oh, my gosh. The the question was, what do you – so it sounds like you got some helps getting ready to come out, but what are you doing to prepare for – 
you know, and, and what are you seeing, you know, from, you know, this massive influx of addictions and um, alcoholism and suicide tendencies and um, all of that, you know, I, what, 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 what I see on this side is, you know, marriage issues because mm-hmm. people were so locked up for so long and they did get to know each other and they realize, Oh crap, I don't like you. You know, it's kind of like they're trying to figure it all out again. So. Yeah. And that's most of the last, uh, families of people I've been able to help is that issue coming up is that now that we're home and, and, and it's hard because you, you, you kind of grieve a little bit of, I thought I knew you and I don't. Right. And what I'm seeing, I don't like, and the other side too. I mean, even, you know, people that are in recovery, you know, just realize they were stuck and they're struggling. And it was just like, Hey, remember what you did back then that got you healthy. Maybe, maybe stepping back into that would be a good idea. Um, so it's really just having raw, authentic conversations because people will call and they want to do these big, huge interventions and all this stuff, right? Or get all the troops. And I say, hey, let me just ask you one question. I sometimes talk myself out of business. I'll say, well, would your loved one just want to go have coffee? Right. Let me just hang out with your husband or your son and just say, let's just talk real. And we get into it. It's like, man, are you just sick and tired of this rat race you're running right now? And, and what's missing in those real, true, authentic conversations I love having, but I can say the exact same thing to someone a family member is, and they'll receive it, but they won't receive it from the family member. And so I'm just, right. I'm seeing a lot of desperation, but I'm also seeing a lot of hope in people. It's like things yeah. are opening back up and they're like, Hey, I can get to meetings. I, I'm okay to go to church now. I wouldn't go to church because my church, you know, makes people wear masks and I refuse to wear a mask and now they won't. It's like, okay, well, now I can go back. I mean, all these things are changing with people. Right. And it's been a, it, people got just ping pong back and forth so much. So there's a lot of confusion, but, um, in, in chaos in people's brains, but I also feel like people are starting to feel a little bit of hope, um, in, in like the recovery world. And I feel like there's so much more, cause I, I mean, I love social media for positive reasons, mm-hmm. you know, and reaching people and connecting and just to connect two dudes that have the similar story. That's not like mine. Um, I got a woman last week called me because her son was, he's, he's, he's in prison for, for, a, you know, sex charge that was alleged. Right. And I have a friend of mine that, you know, went to prison and got out of prison and survived what he went through. I said, look, I, that's just not something I had to endure. And it was alcohol, drug related, everything. Right. right. But here's a guy that has a very similar story. And instead of me helping you, I'd, I'd rather those two guys connect because they're really going to connect well. And so trying to connect people to those as many connecting points as you can, I think really, really, really helps guys be heard, feel understood, not judged. And um, it's huge community piece. Huge. That's great. I like what you said there about, uh, you know, getting together one-on-one for coffee, Mm. you know, man has one issue, his heart. And, that that's that's one that's a beautiful thing about what Jody talked about earlier about sharing your testimony, because you're sharing your heart and you touch men's hearts, and that's that's one of the things that I was in Fraser, Colorado last November at uh, Eldridge's Wild at Heart Boot Camp, and that's where that that kind of came to light for me was just starting to look at the root cause of my problem, which by everything I read in the Bible, it's our heart. And just getting those things, uh, anything I was struggling with, not that, not that I don't struggle, I do, but, uh, but getting all those things out of my heart, realizing that, you know, although I had 
never would have told you I was just like my dad. I was exactly like my dad. You know, I never, I never remember a time in my life I wanted to be like my dad. My dad wasn't a bad man, but I realized that week that I was, I was just like my dad. And so if you don't think you're like your dad and you are like your dad, then you're not looking at those things because you think you're, you're not like him, this, that, or the other. So I like the one-on-one, you know, sometimes, I mean, sometimes that big intervention thing, it's worked many times, but man, just sitting in front of somebody and talking about life and talking about our struggles, like Fergoza was talking about earlier, that that's going to get to somebody's heart. And that, you know, it's like that night that you, you know, what happened, your dog made you, you know, change your, you know, he, he cut you in the heart. Right. And God changed your heart that night. It was your heart that he changed. That's what he's coming back to restore. That's what he's coming back to make new is this heart that we, that is so wicked that we have, you know, I'm not going to quote the verse because I quote it on every episode. <laughs> I'll just say Proverbs four twenty three. read it every day, man. Read it every single day. Read that verse. That's good. Amen. Yeah, that's Love huge. That. And, and I'm just coming off two weekends ago, a whole men's retreat. And it was three days of just, I, I staffed it this time because I went through the, the group before as a participant last year. And it was so cool. Like I, I didn't really want to go that weekend. I was just kind of like, you know, I was like, I got other things to do my kid like this. And I was like, you know, but okay, I'll go. It was just kind of one of those to do, to do, I'll go staff right. the thing type thing. And I went through the training and, and it's, it's hard to say it out loud. Cause like part of the guys in my men's group are just awesome. But I just, I just didn't want to go. Right. You know? And, and why did I not want to go? because God had something to show me yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and he did, but these, yeah. these six, like, I think it was like 40 something men. It's just, you watch them come in that day, just angry the first day and they left happy and joyous and free. And because they got to the root of some crap and it was so cool to watch them when they got there and they got it. And then they just let their defenses down and said, Oh my gosh, that's why that's a reason why. And they, and they saw that and it was all around addiction and, you know, stuff when we were kids and our dads and, you know, church leaders or whatever, or a football coach or a mom or people just treating you wrong. And it just stuck because you didn't know how to process that as a kid. And it just went through, went through life. So there, there's so much freedom. And I just, I hope that guys that are stuck would just step into more opportunities to grow and just see what God does with them. I did not expect what I got that weekend at all. And it was pretty cool. Uh, what God revealed, which was pretty awesome. That's good. So are you counseling? Are you, are you, would you call it more discipleship? Co- coaching and just I mean, more coaching. Coach, okay. Yeah. Interventions and coaching and uh, um, definitely not counseling. That's why I leave that up to the pros. Right. And uh, exactly. Have no, I have a, a, I have yeah. a three meeting rule. You know, if you can't figure out three meetings then you need professional help. So I send them off somewhere else. I send them somewhere else. Yeah. Oh man. Well, it's like, well, I mean, why, I mean, you hear people go to counselor for, I've been going to the same counselor for 12 years on the same issue. I'm like, man, that person must have a nice Mercedes. It's like, right. let's get in and clean this stuff out and just get real and just call it what it is. And if you don't know what it is, let's find a, it's that whole shadow of false self stuff. Right. It's like, right. you know, Jody, what that is. Joe, I, I, I can't say this for sure, but I know since I've been in the church six and a half years, there there's probably not a there's probably not more than a handful of people that have talked to Jody one-on-one more about life than me i'm sure there are some but it's not many you're probably right and so 
and I, I've had huge growth in my life that, you know, God gets all the credit, but he uses Jody to do it. And when, when, when there's real growth, when there are things that cut me to the heart that make me see it, most of the time, it's me, just me talking to Jody about how he used to screw that up in his life too. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah. that honesty and that, that, you know, if he tells me, you know, all that about his life and I see the man that he is now and his family and, and, and you know, he's a pastor and he's doing all this stuff. You, you can't help but say, you know what? I, I need to try that because it's working for him. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of times it's just getting together and just having a conversation. We always talk about it, man, about, about sharing the, the Saul and Paul side of your testimony. Mm -hmm. The power is in the, the Saul side. Because God gets the credit for the Paul side. Mm -hmm. So the more and more you share about the Saul side of your testimony, then it really, when you get to the point about the redemptive love of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, man, you've got him. Amen. I mean, yeah. you, you just air it up. I did a, I did, I did my testimony last Saturday at a men's breakfast, Rob, and I'd never shared a lot of this stuff with anybody. Jody knew some mm -hmm. of it. But dude, I was balling. I I mean, some of this stuff was just coming up, and it was, I was feeling the shame and the guilt and and all that in my life, dude. And then when I got to the part where the you know the but God part, the place was quiet, you know. But it was I aired out all this stuff that I didn't want to tell anybody, right. you know. But it, there's power in it. There is. The Bible is very clear about, you know, iron sharpening iron, number one, uh, confessing to a brother, number two, um, and, and keeping brothers accountable. You know, if we, you can cover a multitude of sins if you will get involved in their lives. Yeah. And that's why, that's why, to be honest, that's why Man of God's Way was founded 10 years ago, was in order to push guys to a place to where they are, um, you know, actually doing stuff christianity yeah. and doing life together so um, i'm probably i'm probably butchering this but it's bear your burdens amongst yourselves right. and so fulfill the law of christ yeah. it's not just hey you know what guys uh, bear your burdens no it's it's fulfilling the law of love right. yes you know yeah that's good so really? so rob what exactly is an intervention like what are you doing like all i can think of is that tv show that I where they love that show yeah, by no, the way. Oh yeah, <laughs> like where you're you you know you corner them and the whole family's there and everybody reads a letter to them and you give them an option but i i don't think that's exactly what you're doing um what are you doing with your interventions yeah there are those moments for sure that's that's yeah. definitely true but you know family's calling it's crisis moment right so we really got to settle it back down and figure out what, what is the real crisis going on here? What's really going on? And so for me, it, it ranges literally from having coffee with a guy and, and saying, you know, asking the loved ones, say, have you ever asked your husband right. or son or whatever, if they want help? No, I just know they need help. I'm like, well, just ask them if they want help. And you met this guy that obviously, I don't know what I'm doing. So meet with this guy and just hear a story and go from there to all the way to the point of, crisis intervention, you know, families rallying, we're waiting, we're waiting down the street in our cars to just show up at the house and just go through the front door all together. And I introduce myself and just take control of the situation. And, wow. and ultimately it is letter writing, but obviously there's no TV crews, right? But it's, it's letter writing, but it's, it's coaching and educating the family the whole way about boundaries. And here's right. what we need to do. Here's why, are you willing to do this? 
and it's not get out of the house and your trash bag you stupid it's it's like man we love you so much i hope you can feel the love in the room right now because all these people love you man i love you and i don't know much your story and the cool thing about testimonies is they go well how do you know me bro like well i get my my one minute spiel like okay you've been through some stuff all right you got some street cred that's good right earn, earn their trust and yeah exactly and in the in between there is just saying hey you know billy um we're concerned and we don't know what to do anymore but we don't want to lose our family unit here so we're inviting a guy named rob to come over next tuesday at 12 o'clock we'd like for you to be at that meeting are you willing to come like literally there's nothing's going to happen that day we're just going to talk so would you come sure it's good you know and then and, and those are those are a lot of fun because they have some sort of willingness they know i'm going to be there they don't know who i am right but, so it's all in between there but my whole role is to facilitate a loving conversation to move their loved one to want help and to hold the mirror in front of the family and say, okay, everyone has a part in this. So mm -hmm. if, if you're going to move forward together as a family unit, I'm going to ask you all to do some work also, which is why I have a family coach on my team, another interventionist, like a couple other people on my team. And so we have, we have the, the kind of full prong approach and counselors and therapists all over the country. And, um, and just knowing a lot of killer programs out there that people normally wouldn't know about by looking it up on the internet. You know, Rob, my favorite part of that show, uh, intervention is where the interventionist is with the family. The, 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 the drug addict isn't there yet. And he would look at the family and he would say, let me ask y'all a question. If you didn't give him any money, how, how would he get all this stuff? And they would just like sit there, you know, because they were, they were, they were enabling them. Not, not, not saying that they wouldn't get it some other way, but I mean, they were like, well, he needs help or he always does this. And it's like, stop giving him money yeah. or her. Yeah. Yeah it's, yeah. it's amazing how, you know, addicted the family is to the addiction. You know, that's, that's usually what happens is they just kind of get to this place to where they haven't, you know, when they can finally say we're done, then the help can begin. It's, yeah. it's, it's not until they say, well, we have, you know, they, they, they keep thinking, well, he's going to quit. He's going to quit. And they, they, he's lied for this many years and they keep thinking one more time. Yeah. They get time. it. They get addicted. We yeah. get addicted to the fixing. Yeah. It is. To yeah. trying to fix, to yeah. trying to say that one thing or yeah. do that one thing that's going to open up their eyes, this, that, or the yeah, other. And good. it's, it, it's, it's all God, man. Yeah, it is. It is. And the heart, the heart, here's the hard thing with that is imagine looking at like a ship in the raging sea and it's being right. tossed around everywhere. It's like that, that's addiction, right? Chaos, boom, thrashing sails. I mean, you're tipping yeah. over and capsizing and swimming back to the boat. And then immediately imagine being put in all that placid lake in the same sailboat and nothing's happening. Right. It takes a long time to get to be comfortable in that placid lake from that. So there's tons of education that has to happen. And if the family refuses to do work, like I'm not doing anything, it's all their fault. I won't work with them. Mm. Like if, if, if you're not willing to step into this and do some work, thanks for, thanks for the check. Appreciate it. That's great. You know, it's like, but I can't, <laughs> I can't take your money because like the, all you're going to do is call me in a couple months and say, it didn't work. And right. Like, exactly. exactly. It didn't work. Cause you didn't. So it is a family situation and, and a lot of times it's like giving people the tools for kids. I mean, there's a, there's a program here in Colorado. It's a free program for women. It's a Christian program for a year. They go for a year, mm -hmm. you know, knowing those resources, a place in the Arkansas, the same thing for men and just 
finding these programs that aren't going to cost you $85,000 to send them to get massages and foot rubs and play basketball right. and never open up about your life. So I, ch- I definitely challenge families. Um, and, uh, and then, and a lot of the coaching I do too, is just like, if you're not willing to do the work, why are we meeting? Mm-hmm. And yeah, we have some great programs around here too, that, that really do a good job. Teen challenge is one of them yep. that does a great job. Uh, we have the Troy dream center yeah. Yeah. that we actually had on the podcast a couple hours uh, north of us. And there, there's a lot of, you know, that that's one thing is a, um, you know, if you're in ministry, you need to have those things, you know, in your phone book, you need to make sure that you've got those people and, um, and, and avenues for, you never know what's going to happen. I'll give you a great example. <clears throat> we, um, we had, uh, just begun, uh, at our church to have, uh, AA and, um, you know, as a, it was a non-sanctioned church that we were our non-sanctioned ministry in the church, but you know, we've got a church building that's 15,000 square foot. That's only open four hours a, a week. And so we wanted, my goal, my vision is that this thing is open 24 seven. And, uh, we had a couple come in and they were like, we want to do AA here. There's not one in the area They're you know, they're too far out. And I was like, heck yes, let's do it. So we had no, no, we just started it. Like, I don't even think they'd had a meeting yet, but we had planned it. Everything was going to go. I had a church member come up and, um, he's got an amazing testimony. Um, beautiful, beautiful testimony. Now, uh, he was addicted to opiates and, um, he was in a, in an industry to where it was relatively easy to get. And I'm not going to divulge his story, but he got caught. They gave him a chance, put him in rehab, got caught again. It was just like this one thing after another. And he finally, you know, the problem with addiction or addicts, a lot of times, what you and I think is rock bottom is not even close to their rock bottom. Like they have to hit hard. A lot of times we're looking, I'm going, holy cow, how much lower you can go? Well, just give them about two months and you'll see. And this is kind of where he was. He was at rock bottom. Um, came to me and confessed like just he hadn't told anybody his wife was the i think the only one that knew and i was like dude i got i got your help i've got a guy who just came to me shared his story his testimony and they they were meeting for months and months and months at a time and it was all because of connections it was all because you know there wasn't anything that I could do other than, you know, listen to him, confess, pray for him, um, show him where he's wrong, you know, try to, now I knew that I could, I, I needed to keep him accountable as long as he gave me that authority. If, if somebody doesn't give you authority in their life, then you really don't have any authority in their life to, to help them through that. But now going on almost a year, he's clean. He has been forever. He got his job back. His wife is, they all come to church. Like he, they, everybody's given their life to the Lord. They've been baptized. Like it's just a beautiful thing to see. And it's all because of connections. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, if I hadn't have had that connection, um, because I, you know, I, I don't know what it's like to be uh, addicted to opiates. You know, I did, you know, I was back in the day when we didn't have, we just had alcohol and, you know, some, some good, I would say not great drugs, but just regular drugs, not like these opiates. I mean, these opiates are a different beast. And uh, um, uh, it's all about knowing 
people. And that's, that's the great thing about Christianity is the connections that we can have and we can build in order. And it's not to have just 5,000 friends. It's to have people that can help do life together. Yeah. And the alternative to that is unacceptable. You know, I won't, I won't throw what church it was under the bus, but I was working for a church and we had someone, um, you know, who was running away from a bad housing situation and literally screaming through our parking lot. He's trying to kill me. He's trying to kill me and said, all right, we'll get in the car, you know, and she was high on something and called, called the pastor. Hey, so that here's the deal. You know, I'm the worship leader. He said, I said, what's our protocol? What do we got? Who are we calling? He's like, well, we call the cops. I'm like, dude, that's not, that's not going to fly. Right. You know, that's not going to work right. for tonight. Um, I ended up um, grabbing a couple, I actually almost got let go for this, but I ended up grabbing a couple um, people from my small group at the church. And I was like, everybody's at my house. We're going to give this chick a room. We're all sleeping in the living room. And that's what, that's what it's going to be. Right. You know, everybody's going to take shifts. We're going to watch her and all the above, but like, that's not a good option either. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, in right. hindsight, that's a horrible option as well, but you have to have connections in the community yeah. because the call can't be, well, we're calling the right. cops or, Hey, sorry, you're going to go to jail. You know, when in majority of addictions, um, are not necessarily the lady who's screaming down the street. The majority of addictions are the dad, the that, quiet, the, yeah, the quiet one, the dad that comes home after work and takes three drinks, you know, before he even goes to bed and is drunk by, you know, seven o'clock. Um, and he's a functional drunk, mm-hmm. uh, or the mom that's, you know, got the kids off at school, you know, drinking a bottle of wine by herself. You know, those are the addicts that typically justify everything that they're doing. You're not, you're not the kind of, like this guy, he was functional on opiates. Like, I don't know how anybody can function on opiates. Like all I want to do, it's like, if I've ever had a pain pill mm-hmm. after, you know, some kind of surgery, I just want to sleep, yeah. like just put me out. So, um, but anyway, my point, Rob, is that I think it's awesome that what you're doing and how you're putting people together, knowing your abilities, you know, where, where your max line is, you know, like, okay, I can go to here then I need to get somebody else involved and so forth and so on. That's really cool. Well, that's, that. that's a, that's a first sign of some, uh, of somebody that just wants to help people, right? Whether he's going to take them all the way through or not, he's just trying to get them help. That's so true. And that's, that's authentic. Right? Mm, that's good. That's really good. All right, Rob. So, um, coaching, what do you do? I'm assuming this is after the fact. So you, you do some coaching with these folks, um, or is this coaching for somebody who's wanting to get in this kind of ministry or what is this exactly? Yeah. And real quick, Rob, real quick, Rob, before you start also, as, as you're answering those questions, tie that in with the two websites. So one's recoverwithrob.com, the other one's lifted from the rut.com. And how do those tie into the coaching and the, uh, the intervention and stuff like that. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Lifted from the rut.com is just, it's everything I do. I mean, it's, you can learn about interventions, books, events, all, I mean, it's just everything that is in my wheelhouse, the podcast, everything in recover with rob.com is just a way for people that want help and want to change their life, whether it's a family, turn up a loved one or someone in recovery that's stuck or someone that's trying to find recovery is just a way to say, Hey, let's schedule some time to chat no obligation. We're just going to see where you are. And again, if I'm the right fit, cool. We'll talk about coaching. We'll talk about intervention. We'll talk about something moving you forward. If I'm not say, Hey, I know this other guy, I think you'd be awesome. 
with this guy. I mean, you would totally connect and, and, and you listen right. to their stories, right? Cause I mean, if they have like a, if they're in their twenties and they have a abusive father, who's 50 and he's got white hair and a goatee, like, and I'm a reflection of his <laughs> father and stuff. I'm like, man, you might need a younger guy. So right. it's really figure out where they are. And then, and that's where the coaching really starts. It's, I, I don't really, I don't coach people that are in active addiction because it doesn't okay. work well because right. They're not being authentic. They're not coming with their whole self. I mean, it's just kind of, and I don't, I don't chase people down, but you can pay for a month of coaching. Right. If you don't show up, then you, I mean, it's like, you just wasted the money. I'll just use that to give someone a free coaching thing later. Right. And pass it on. But so it's, it's really finding people that are committed to some sort of change and maybe they don't know what it is. Right. And so we'll step into kind of a, a program I have put together of just walking people through it. And, and here's the great thing is, you mentioned this earlier, Jody. I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. Right. My buddy, um, one of my buddy, one of my mentors, Don McCreevy, works for Exchange Life Ministries, and it's a, he has this great online conference that's free. And I'll ask guys like, "Hey, are you want to grow deeper in your faith, or what is it?" And they say, "Yeah." And I've had a couple of coaching clients, and they just go through that, and we talk every week, and we see what they're learning, and their whole perspective changes. Right. Instead of mm-hmm. <laughs> you know me trying to get to that real hardcore biblical development stuff which isn't me and uh, but finding things of people that i believe in and say hey hey there's this you know man up pot man up god's way you know pot, uh, app that you need to go download and tap into this community i mean finding people that way right and then just right you know not holding them accountable but just saying okay here we are so it's i don't have a straight up here's my coaching program what i do is i meet people where they are even people that want to write their own book that say, Hey, Rob, I saw your success on Amazon with your book. Teach me how to do that. So I'll coach people on that. Or how do you start a podcast or, you know, just different areas in their life. So it's not just addiction focused. It's really a, 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 a lot of it is addiction based, but it's really, you know, how do you set boundaries? How do you, you know, how do you practice forgiveness? How do you forgive yourself? How do you figure out who you are in Christ? If they're, you know, Christians, I probably say, 65% of my clients are Christians. The other ones know I am and they don't want any of that, but they're still getting it behind the scenes. Right. And, uh, but it's group coaching, it's individual coaching. And I mean, I work with, you know, high powered business guys and someone that's, you know, three months out of treatment because they want it and they're just stuck somewhere and they don't right. know what to do. So it's, um, and that's the fun thing. It's, you just kind of meet people where they are instead of trying to fit them into a cookie cutter box of a program. And because I don't work that way. So how right. can I coach someone that way? It says, well, in week one, you got to do this. In week two, you got to do this. But I, mean, I bring in stuff like watching the chosen videos and talking about that, you know, the week next and say, how did the, how did you, how did you relate to, to Peter in that? And we talk about real life situations or we'll go on a hike, you know, we'll just go hang out by the river for That's a couple great. hours. Uh, sometimes I'll just spend, you know, five hours with a guy that just, he's like, I just need an afternoon just to process through some stuff and we'll just sit by the river and process through it. And I have a lot of strategies I do with that. Definitely. And not just freewheeling it, but meeting people where they are. Um, and I, 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 I use a lot of Neil Anderson's work through steps to freedom in Christ to walk guys through. And I just find things I really like and say, Hey, how would you, how do you, the big question I ask people is how do you learn, you know, um, yeah. When, uh, when you guys, you guys were talking about like, I, I like to read, I like to watch videos. It's how do you learn? And then let's start there and then move you into maybe areas you're uncomfortable learning and then try that. So you can grow a little bit. 
Mm, that's good. You know, Rob, normally we don't like guys on this show that swim a mile a day and hike. <laughs> but <laughs> we, I really like you. <laughs> hey, I'm finally going to lose the, the 15, 20 pounds in front. I've yes. been wanting to lose. So I'll take a before picture, September 1st and yeah, after there you picture. Go. And, um, you know, you and, know what and, sucks is I've been out to Colorado, especially in the Denver area, the last three or four years. Um, my son and I do a, are dead. I can't do it anymore. But we do a uh, hike up Mount Evans and um, stay up there for four days, <clears throat> up at right around 11,000 feet. And I got altitude sickness every single time. The last time I was up there, man, I thought they were going to have to get a helicopter to to bring me down you know, my, so my, my buddy steve uh, that was an army ranger he told me saturday night tums we'll get rid of tums gets rid it. of yeah. and prevents altitude sickness seriously he really? just told me that the other night because i was laughing i'm like afraid to even try anything just because it hurts tums. like it's the worst feeling i've ever had in my life like Have i was ever- up four days not eating not urinating not i was not doing anything i was sick as a dog jody's never well, done the hike next time <laughs> no, I, no, I, I know yeah. i know i do the hike every time but as soon as i get i never do the camping because yeah, i'm yeah, in my yeah. tent well I mean, next do, time I do think... you ever do boost oxygen cans yeah i had the, i had the boost okay. oxygen right. cans. i had i had four or five of those with me and like the hike i can do all day long it doesn't bother me we got you know 60 70 pounds in our rucksack i yeah. doesn't bother me at all it's soon i'm not kidding this happened three of the four years. Get up there, put my tent. Next thing I know, I am done. I'm in my mm. um, in my sleeping bag, and I don't get out for four days. He said, "Like that, I'm that sick." And most everybody has said you should have gone down, you know, another three thousand feet, uh-huh. you know, and reacclimated, and then come back up. But by the time I get up there, the headache hits, mm. the sickness. Oh my gosh, dude, I am. It was done. So my point with saying all that is I wish I'd have known you a little bit earlier that I would have, uh, you know, come out there and see you. So I'd forgotten, forget, you know, you get out there and I'm with my son and, you know, I'm with a couple other guys from, you know, men's ministries. And we do, we take these young guys up and try to, try to minister to them. So, yeah, we all have our seasons, right? Amen. Yeah, exactly. My, that season's over, so I think I'm going to start doing uh, some kind of hike out on the beach. You know, hey. like oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that, from the car safer. to the beach. That's about it. Exactly. Nice. Well, Rob, brother, man, it has been a pleasure. Um, anything um, as we close up here? Anything else you want to say to our audience? You know this this phrase came out of my mouth last week, and it kind of stuck with me. Is that a lot of people don't reach out for help? right? Mm -hmm. Because there's this big shame boulder right in front of their mouth. Mm, That's good. You know, and let's just roll that aside and just say, Hey, Hey bro, like I'm coming to you because I've never told anybody this before, but I'm tired of suffering alone. Mm. Um, I just want to tell you what's going on. And do you know any way that I can get some help and uh, just, just reach out to somebody that's a trusted person, you know, and just say, I need to tell you something. I haven't told anybody before but I'm hoping you can help me after that and Mm -hmm. just see what happens with it. I mean, it it can only get worse, right? Um, If you don't do anything. And so take, take a chance on yourself, invest in yourself because you're worth it. And you know, God doesn't make junk. So whatever the devil's telling you is lie and it's false and it is poo poo that away. Um, But God says you're awesome. He's got big plans for you. Whoever you, whoever's listening, 
And uh, just believe that. Mm, amen. Amen. Well, brother, it has been a pleasure. We'll be praying for you and your ministry. Uh, I know that it's going to be needed, um, you know, until Christ comes back. So stay, uh, stay grounded, um, stay on your knees, man, and, uh, and keep seeking God and all that you do. We'll be praying for you. Yeah. Rob, if you make it to Missouri, man, you'll have to come in studio. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'd love to do that. So, um, from now on, I'll just be called flipper for the next uh, six weeks. And then yeah, we'll exactly. Be- yeah. Yeah. We'll be praying for that too. Yeah. Thanks. I'll, uh, that, that'll be cool to watch you, watch you do that 30. So it'll be 30 miles total. Is that what you're doing? Yep. 1,980 laps. Okay. Awesome, Ooh, brother. All broadcasted on TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> Are you sending me that email about TikTok? I got right, you. There you go. It's all like right, brother. 60 laps a day. Yeah, bro. I know. You used a calculator, didn't you? Yeah. No, he's he's pretty. No, I'm pretty good. He's man. a fart. He's a fart smeller, man. Nice job, uh, Ben. That was yeah, good. Exactly. <laughs> so. All right, brother, you take it easy. And uh, guys, uh, this will be up on any podcast platform starting tomorrow morning. We love you and have a great week. God bless. You've been listening to the Man Up God's Way podcast. Visit us on Facebook, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, and our website at manupgodsway.org.